0: Hello girlies and
2: Zach, <laughs> um, I hope you are all having a brilliant week and a great start to the new year. I have been strangely productive this year, so just bought a moleskin pink diary to actually write down things I want to get done in the day, taking advice of previous podcast guests who talk about... um goal setting etc etc so let's hope this lasts this week we're continuing replaying some of our favorite guest episodes over on the patreon we also have new content coming in each week over this break that is patreon.com slash afterworkdrinks But today we are chatting with the wonderful Flex Mommy. Flex needs no introduction. She's a multidisciplinary millennial in media. She's a DJ. She's an MTV producer. She's a podcast host. She's a business owner. She's an author. She makes my silly little moleskin pink diary look pointless. She is one of our favorite Australians on the internet. And we know that a lot of you already follow Flex and are across everything she does as well. So we're hoping this is a bit of a kind of fun merging of minds we chat to flex about critical thinking something she is so incredible at and something that i'm trying really hard to get better at this year with the help of tiktok dealing with unsolicited dealing with unsolicited dealing with unsolicited opinions why can't i say that word and the depths of internet hell how 50 percent of conflict is actually your fault which blew grace's mind Pussy masks, hookup sabbaticals, being a fairy nut mother, and the am I the asshole Reddit question that lives in her mind rent free. We hope you enjoy. Love you. Bye. Oh, and huge apologies. This was before we had our lovely editor, Emily. So the sound quality is rather terrible um, looking back. Bye. welcome did you hello. Just say hello? Um, welcome to
3: us <laughs> i did <laughs> welcome to my presence
2: <laughs> um flex i'm very excited to talk to you because i've never met you before which feels kind of odd considering i like worked in australian media for like but i i'm from new zealand but worked there for like three years and just never came across you
4: now's our time <laughs> now's
2: our time i know i've been voting for you for the mtv thing like a true fucking stan
4: oh my god thank you if i don't win i'm going to say it's rigged that's my plan it, it, <laughs> i'm boycotting Donald. all mania <laughs> yeah,
2: you will
3: win
4: somebody needs to fix something behind the scenes
2: <laughs> what happens if you win
4: oh
3: nothing for money
4: no, that's you the just thing, get to- Grace. The prestige
2: is yeah. Good. yeah. That's the thing. Like we forgot, we kept getting um, hounded into the Australian Podcast Awards, and they were like, "Enter, enter, enter, enter," and then we just completely forgot. And I was like, "Grace, we've missed the deadline." And then I was like, "Oh, who gives a fuck?" And then like someone the other day was like, "Yeah, literally the only thing is that you can say you're an award-winning podcast," and I was like, "Damn it, I want to be able to say that."
4: Exactly. Why that's the only that? reason no, being be an award-winning anything. Yeah, more awards will come, and the amount of people who don't enter or care is astounding. So I don't know, I think the odds are really good. You've got next year. Odds are stacked
3: in your favor.
2: For the first time this week, we are gonna do the intro with you on the call because I love it. um we usually do it afterwards and then we forget to do it and then it's just a mess. But I've written a little spiel. So we are so excited this week to be speaking to Flix Mommy, who is a self described multidisciplinary millennial in media, a DJ, an MTV producer, a podcast host, a business owner of a critical thinking card game called Reflex, the owner of an e-commerce site called Flex Factory, a DIY queen and an author to be. And we are just wondering if you ever sleep.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Sometimes I'm really good at getting my nine hours in because I really enjoy sleeping. But other times it's just not possible. But I don't really – I don't know. I'm not that kind of person who's like, oh, my God, I didn't get any sleep and therefore I can't function think I can function a bit too well on no sleep and that's why I pack heaps of stuff in because I want to like not work for the rest of my life is that a coherent sentence I don't want to labor forever like I don't want Mm -hmm. to continue this for a lifetime I'm trying to get it out the way so I can be a woman of leisure full time
3: From 40 onwards. How much strategy is involved from your end, do you think, in terms of like a long-term career plan?
4: It's more reactive strategy because, I mean, I couldn't have predicted even having this career, let alone the trajectory of how it's gone so far. So it's just keeping the eye on the prize in the sense that I can't get so caught up in just one thing because everything is fickle. I mean, have you seen all the influencers who just influence and then they run out of influence and have no jobs? dumb really silly (laughs) so for me it's being really mindful that if I want to sustain this whole career path of working for myself and being paid to be myself I'm like well how does that evolve um within this like dynamic of the internet you know and so it's working but it's just like a lot of work but I mean it's easier than trying to retire early doing a fucking nine-to-five that's not happening
2: yeah I love how you think like that I didn't um realize that until I was listening to a podcast interview with you, and I was like, God, I need to be more like that because I just, I'm just literally like, oh, I'm just chugging along, and then you're literally being like, okay, cool, I'm going to do this, 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 and then I'm going to have money, and then it's going to be chill. And I'm like, fuck,
4: yeah, I don't know, like, I, I like the chugging along vibe, but then like, I just feel like all work is really difficult, even if it, like, it's not comparable to the amount of struggle it takes to do any job, but all work is difficult. I don't want to do any of it long term, <laughs> so like, the reminder of you know, when you have just one of those long days where you're like, gosh, can I really sustain doing emails until I'm 70? Surely not. And then with that in mind, I'm like, okay, how do we make sure I don't, how can I wake up every day and just like tend to a garden, make something, do something philanthropic, go travel. We'll get there.
3: Um, you've talked before about like, obviously your business now is kind of yourself. You've commercialized yourself to the extent that you are your own brand. Um, Is that something that creeped up on you and then you had to deal with or do you remember making a a decision like, okay, this is what I'm going to do? Because it's kind of like a big call to make.
4: Yeah, I mean, so when I made that transition from like I work in an office to I'm a full time DJ, it was more like I work in an office. This is really monotonous. I want to do something fun. I'm going to be a DJ. And then suddenly I was DJing 30 hours a week, you know, that kind of crept up in that sense. And I knew it wasn't sustainable to do both. And I thought if I uh, stay in the full-time job, I might just die of boredom. (laughs) Um, But if I become a DJ, I could be a dropkick. So I was like, let me be a (laughs) a dropkick for a second. And then worst case scenario, I'll just go back and get a real job. So that was uh, not strategic, but a reactive, conscious decision. And then DJing from from that to TV presenting to podcasting to running the business, these are all just opportunities that came up that I've now reactively, strategically made a priority. So I wasn't sitting down being like, and these are the steps I need to take, but more so being mindful of what steps or opportunities even exist in this industry and then making sure that when they come, I'm upskilled enough to be able to do it. Mm, That's
2: so interesting. So you post a lot on uh, Instagram of Reddit and TikToks, and me and Grace have tried so many times to get into Reddit, and I just can't figure it out. Um, <laughs> but I love that you do the "Am I the Assholes" on Bobo and Flex, and we wanted to know if there's one right now that you're thinking about particularly.
4: Oh, the "Am I the Assholes"? I mean, there's two I think about often. <laughs> uh, the first one, <laughs> only because okay, the thing with the "Am I the Assholes"? So people who don't know what this. Uh, what this concept is basically on the site reddit reddit you upload questions and people answer them basically and am i the asshole is a content series where people tell you about their specific scenario um because they think they might be the asshole and you need to tell them if they are or if they aren't and so there was one scenario in particular where this guy was uh, recalling a dinner party or an event or something small he was having with his partner and two other couples. Um, These were his closest friends, (laughs) his COVID bubble, whatever you want to call it. And um, basically, yeah. So imagine three couples, hetero, three guys, three girls. And one of the girls from another couple gets super, super drunk and trashed and shits herself. And she shits herself on herself on the couch everywhere And all the other couples, including her partner, are off her and are lamenting that she's an adult and she should know better. So they leave her and they go to bed. This guy, being a nurse and objectively a good friend, decides that he's going to clean up the shit off her, you know, from puss to crack, clean it up, and then he's going to
3: put her in a new (laughs) She's on his couch he's on his couch a vested interest as well in this being not contextually yes
4: so they're at his house on his couch they've all left his his wife is left she's not dealing with it either so he's like i'm a nurse and i also uh this is nothing to me to clean you up not a big deal i do this all day and also you're on my couch and i want to clean it up so he wraps her up in a towel, cleans her up, he goes to bed. The next morning, she wakes up fully clean, but, you know, obviously not close in the bottom, and finds it really, really weird and sexually assaulty that he would do that to her. Uh, and what's even more bizarre to me is that everybody else at the party also recognised that as being really gross and inappropriate and sexual assaulty. And I was thinking, fuck, if I shat myself, I'd hope that a friend would you know, <laughs> would, would clean me up, like, mm, if that ever yes. were to happen
3: um but in this instance i talked to a nurse friend about this and she was like that was absolutely the right thing to do honestly if you're a nurse as well it's like because it's not a big deal She was like it wouldn't even pop into your like the other option wouldn't even pop into your brain she was like you would just be on autopilot you just like pop in there with a baby Legit.
4: and usually i think there are more than one option and there's usually a bad option but in this instance like are you going to leave your friend in her own defecation. Like, are you that kind of person? Number two, you're going to leave this shit-stained couch? No, that's not happening. Could you really sleep like that? Who are these people? But, yeah, so basically after that, that was the first Am I the Arsehole I've ever posted that was so contentious. Like, the Mm. results were extremely polarising with just as many people saying that it was inappropriate um, and as many people saying that it was the right thing to do. Um, And what I find really bizarre is that, you know, they kicked him out of the group chat. His wife was like, that's fucking creepy. I'm really creeped out. They started a new group chat without him. So then I thought, I well, maybe. I so
3: sorry for this man. That's I really it. do. I feel like he doesn't have good people in his life. No.
4: Or maybe he is a creepy guy and a repeat offender. And this is just like his weird way
3: <laughs> of trying to feel
2: like a friend. A repeat friend. offender? A repeat because- poo cleaner offerer?
4: <laughs> <laughs> because why would they act that way if this was completely
3: above board surely he must have a creepy energy so i think about yeah. that like if he had a, a weird like like gangly scary yeah. energy it would ha- it would have a new yeah
2: yeah agree because i mean i like if it was if it was the girl that did that like if you shut yourself on my couch i right, think I would... I would do that for a friend honestly like I
3: know
0: you I don't think you would
3: i don't yeah i don't know you know i, mean. I would do it for you I know, I know it's I the like, right thing to literally do literally
4: washed you in the I shower think. before yeah, because I don't think you need to grab the baby wipe and wipe, wipe crack. Like, I don't think it's that deep. But I do think that picking somebody up, putting them in the yeah, bathroom in the at the very least, yeah. in the shower, then focus on cleaning up the couch, I think that's completely necessary. But
3: gosh. What a can of worms. I love it. It's It lives rent-free in my head. <laughs> so how do you, obviously there's, the social dilemma just came out there's a lot of conversation now about how our little pea brains are being exploited by these big companies (laughs) yeah and we're all trying well I don't know if we all are but some of us are trying to fight against the psychological features on apps and things that make us want to stay on the internet all day. Is that something you've been thinking about and how do you like put barriers on yourself? No. I mean, I'm just so over the social media is bad
4: for our health conversation. Like we knew last year, we knew five years ago, we probably had a good idea ten years ago and we we're stuck on our little computers on Bebo. Um I think that how the impacts of social media technology has more to say about us than the devices because We don't have autonomy. Like we don't have self-control. You could easily put down your phone. You could get off TikTok, but you won't. And as addictive as these things are made to be, I think we also struggle to maintain a sense of accountability for why we use these things and how we use them. It's so easy to be like, the developers, they're in our head. They did this. It's like, put down your phone, sis. (laughs) Log off. (sighs) Get off Instagram. But you won't. Um, And so for me, I guess like, I guess I I already have a different relationship to social media and the internet in the sense that I wasn't somebody who was actively posting until I was building a brand. So I was, I had those accounts like ghost accounts, like no pictures, fucking like no interaction, just use it to stalk other people. So I already had this weird, um, I don't know if it was a, a, a complex or whatever it was, like, who's so important? Why do normal people post? Like, what's so important about your life? Just, like, keep it offline. But then obviously that's, you know, my opinion on that's changed a little bit. But I think that, like, I'm incentivized to be on the internet. Like, it pays my bills. It awards me a certain lifestyle. It's the only reason why I can do what I do in the way that I do it. And that's why I stay on it. If not, (laughs) no, (laughs) it's not happening. Like these small, small likes are not enough to keep me logged on the way I am if there was no incentive.
2: And then it seems like, as well, the bigger your audience gets, the more you have to deal with unsolicited opinions from people. Do you have boundaries that you put in place with your followers at the moment?
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you've been on my Instagram for, like, let's say the last year or two, you would have seen me go through a few phases of boundary setting. The first was, um, uh, the first was like no boundaries. Like I'm your mate. I'm like the person you can speak to. I'll give you advice. I'll tell you where this is from. I'll spend 30 minutes consulting you, no problem. Uh, and then I realized that's not my job or, and I don't inherently care about strangers to hold that much space for them. So then I went to the second stage of boundary setting where I said, okay, let's, let's, acknowledge that we don't know each other so i can't contextually give you advice i don't want to be here consoling you i don't really care about the conversation you have with your friend let's just create some separation it's not like um a hierarchy but there definitely doesn't need to be this level of familiarity you know because it was getting to a point where i'm like you don't know me so leave me alone and then the third wave was me saying uh don't ask me shit (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> like just google everything you need <laughs> like, i don't want to hear your reactions on this no, just putting it out exactly Asia and you can think what you think that's it yeah. leave me
4: out of the commentary um uh, and that third wave was a big kind of lesson in me trying to uh be accountable for like for the quote-unquote mess i had made the fact that i was so accessible in this way and i couldn't backtrack and so i thought fuck like imagine being someone who's followed me for the first time and is on the receiving end of a huge rant about how people like should say, please, when they ask me things and don't ask me things you can Google, (laughs) like get over yourself Lil. So, um, the, the current wave I'm in is just to let everyone be and to manage my own usage. So it affects me less. So like, instead of justifying why I won't respond to something, just don't respond. Instead of trying to, um, let everyone in on every little detail of my life just don't and it's actually been really uh rewarding in the sense because suddenly I'm fully accountable for the experience I have as opposed to being like my audience is being really toxic
3: they don't even (laughs) know (laughs) like that's so tired and you've said before that like um Because obviously with the podcast or, well, both your podcasts or whatever you're posting about, you're like, this is just one woman's opinion. Like, I shouldn't be the moral guiding compass for your moral framework. Like, I'm just one gal, like, adding to the conversation. Mm. you kind of had to deal with people assuming that, like, they should follow everything you say as, like, Bible or or feeling like you should be... One hundred percent what is good
4: <laughs> that 's it it's it's kind of like this idea that like if i 'm having a very personal experience on a public platform and that platform just so happens to have a hundred thousand followers, and so therefore you think that the more voices are listening, the more right I should be. it gets to be very dangerous obviously i 'm very aware of the echo chamber of that as well it 's not constructive or conducive to learning at all, uh, and that 's kind of like where i guess it 's my current conflict with sharing anything on the internet is the fact that people are going to lap that shit up as a bible just because especially because I think it's also like a mix of having the followers being articulate and also not being afraid to share an opinion everyone's like well she must be right like why would she be so loud if she was so wrong and I'm like I don't know what people are going through and I find that to happen particularly when we do conversations about race or feminism or capitalism or anything. Everyone's like, this is it. They're saying it. Like, we, we want to we listen. We want to learn. We want to regurgitate. And it becomes super, super dangerous. But again, like, I've tried telling people, formulate your own views, but then that makes me a teacher telling you what to do again. So I just have to be like, ignore. <laughs> the next time someone sends me a picture of, like, a white girl in braids, being like, is this bad? I'm like, I don't have any answers for you, babe. <laughs> what do you
2: think <laughs> i'm gonna let you figure that yeah. out on your own let I me know them. how you go but even literally just turning it back on them and being like well do you think it's bad and it's like you do yeah. the thinking you do the that's work it. figure it out in your own brain like naomi osaka when she like wore the seven masks and the guy was like what was the reaction you wanted and she was like well what did was the reaction you got i was like yes
4: that's exactly it and then it becomes less about it's just about reframing the conversation um and also in a very selfish way, I don't want to be liable for people latching onto decisions or opinions that they don't actually think or that are inherently dangerous to them. Like I can have controversial opinions about race because I have dynamic conversations about them, but you can't just regurgitate them because you heard me say it,
3: <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And there can be a level of nuance that's like missed in the retelling. Like we yes. have this long conversation about the Paris Hilton documentary um, and I said, like, look, I'm not proud of this, but it made me realize that uh, when she was talking about being uh, emotionally and physically abused at, a like, reform school, she talked about it and then they got in a bunch of um, her other classmates. And I was like, I'm ashamed of this, but it made me realize that I hadn't believed her story as much until mm. I saw other people that weren't super wealthy and super rich saying the same things. And, like, that highlighted a blind spot in my thinking or whatever. Love it. And then we got a review being, like, unprogressive views says rich people can't experience trauma disgusting
2: or something and i was
3: just like (laughs) they were like yeah they were like
2: never listening again i was like jesus yeah
3: but it's like you can have a long, nuanced conversation and someone – like... and we had the same thing with Enrada where we had, like, a huge conversation about Enrada, like, very nuanced half an hour discussion about, like, choice feminism and exploitation versus empowerment. And someone was like, these girls said that Enrada wearing a bikini is um, wrong because it makes women feel bad about their bodies. Disgusting. And we're like, we, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's just Ugh. like you can't – people can't – Treat what you say as gospel because also a lot of people misinterpret what is said. Well, that's
4: it. They want to hear what they want to hear. And that's like from doing Mm. the podcast Bobo and Flex for like two and a half years or something now. What I've known to be true is that no matter how concise you want to be, however many ways you want to explain the same concept, people will hear what they want to hear. How could Bobo and I have done probably a hundred episodes that integrate really nuanced conversations on race? And to this day, I get messages about why people can't say the N-word. I'm like, I just, I thought, but we've already, done. okay, <laughs> no worries. I'm like, are you there? Are you it's there? Just, like, are you
3: like at the start line? Like, it's just so,
4: you know? it makes me really jaded because I used to just enjoy this like really like bolshy, just sharing opinions and, you know, integrating some critical thinking. But now it comes to the point where I'm like, gosh. I just what I could say anything and somebody's like, You're so sassy, yes queen, give us everything, give us nothing. And I'm like, Do you mind listening? Well that that would be nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, one thing I love about Bobo and Flex is the idea of critical thinking. Um, and we often kind of like, especially with politics, just like some I don't know, I was back in New Zealand, like, at the start of this year, and people were just going crazy on these wild unconfirmed rumors and i was like can we all take a second have a deep breath and just apply some critical thinking and then i was like i feel like people don't even know what it is or how to use it and i would love for you to explain that to us
4: i mean i totally get if people don't know what it is or how to use it because i didn't until it clicked so critical thinking is the ability to see all sides of a concept idea thought using both your subjective and objective brain so without the big words it just means that you can look at something and recognize that you can see it in a certain way because of all the things that you know to be true from your own personal experience and somebody else can see it in a completely different way uh, from their own personal experience and also recognizing that how you see things are is layered you know and so you have to ask yourself you know why am I seeing it this way what's influencing why I'm seeing it could there be a reason why I'm not interpreting this correctly do we have all the information it's just actually going four steps deeper than you would you than you would usually and I think people like critical think when it comes to I think the average person critically thinks more than they realize just not when it's necessary. So like, oh, do I want pepperoni on pizza? Oh, I thought I was going to do no meat today. Maybe capsicum. Oh no, I guess bloated. Maybe I'll do this. Should I get it from Domino's? Should I get it from this? Like you do that level of thinking for inconsequential stuff, but for the big stuff, it just goes over people's heads. Mm. But I mean, what can you do? Cause I didn't, I just remember, <laughs> I had this epiphany, um, like when I first discovered the concept of being like, fuck, that's what they were trying to teach us in English when we were doing essays, (laughs) when they were like, (laughs) analyze this, (laughs) compare this. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I would do essays and my teacher would be like, babe, you didn't answer the question. I'm like, I don't really get what it's asking. She's like, you need to look at this information and discern what it's telling you. I'm like, I don't, what does that mean? So I get it. If you've done your last bit of learning in high school, I can totally understand why you can't critically critically think. It's not your bad.
3: (laughs) Yeah. um, We wanted to ask about it, which is kind of in the context of that, um, like i think especially in 20 after 2016 after donald trump got elected there was like a big conversation about like we can't exist in echo chambers and we have to engage in in um opinions that are different to ours and we need to challenge ourselves and we need to not be so siloed in our thinking Mm. um and now it's been four years on and it, it can feel sometimes like people have like forgotten that we had that conversation or that it's gone like almost further in the other direction is that something that you feel like is the case
4: absolutely but i think i mean I just reckon the internet is full of people just like doing things in theory and not in practice because you know that idea of like when you get validation, you get a bit of dopamine, that spike, you chase that feeling, not necessarily the impact of what that feeling should have given you. For example, you know how let's say you go and tell your best friend, oh my God, I'm going to start, I'm going to go vegan, like I'm going to look after my health and she G's you up and she's like, oh fuck, I love that validation. And then you have meat because in your head – the the goal was the validation because you got that dopamine hit, not because you did the thing you wanted to do. So, in the context of let's not do, let's you know interact with different opinions, nobody was ever going to do that. That was just a fun thing to say on the internet because it made us seem woke and progressive. But in reality, we can barely have critical discussion to people who think like us, let alone those who are on the other end of an opinion. It's not happening. I think that um, I think also that kind of uh, quote or that kind of intention um, was said, I guess like that kind of thinking presumed that everybody was at a level of self-awareness that they're not at. So like if you were a self-aware person who could see past um, somebody's political beliefs or socioeconomic status and see them as a real person, then maybe yes, go and engage with someone who believes something different to you. But the average person is like, you're a conservative bad, you know, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, uh, like you believe in polyamory, quirky, uh, you eat, delete, meat, bad person. You vote good person. We're not at the point where people can see like beyond binaries to now do nuance. It's not happening.
3: <laughs> And that was something that we thought came through with the, when you interviewed Lindy Klim for her like Mm. pussy masks Yeah, and even you were just like, I'm just going to facilitate a conversation Mm -hmm. to hear both sides. And even you facilitating the conversation got backlash because people couldn't divide facilitation from like endorsement, which I found crazy.
4: Yeah. So for context, if people don't know what happened, Lindy Klim, uh launched uh a range of sheet masks for your vulva and immediately got heaps of backlash i mean i even thought it was sus when i first saw it i was like what the fuck is this you know this patriarchal blah 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 blah. and then i was like hold on like with all this information we have which just said that it's like meant to hydrate nourish and restore your vulva that's not really enough for me to go on on a tirade about it and it's, it just so happens that I was trying to get out of that, like, let's, I don't know, I just was I'm trying to not project onto people what I think they think. And so in this instance, when I just happened to get an email from a PR team, I was like, fuck, let me just ask her, like, what was your intention? Because on this end, everyone thinks you're a vehicle for the patriarchy babes. But if that wasn't your intention, I'd love to know. Um, and part of me was just like really... I don't know. I just felt really um, like affirmed by having this privilege to just go and talk to people for answers as opposed to being like, I'm going to be mad at you and bitch about you in the group chat. And so I just found it, like you said, really odd that people couldn't understand that facilitation was providing them the response that they wanted. I mean, all the critique was like, what was she thinking? I would love to know why she did this. Now we're finding out and you're upset. So what do you want? Like, leave her alone. (laughs) They're like,
3: cool, I'll ask her. They're like, no, no, no. no, Yeah, don't ask her.
4: Don't ask her. Don't do that. Don't do that, yeah. And even this idea of like, you know, after people heard the episode, they were kind of like, oh, fuck, like, that was pretty harmless. It's a like, Yeah, yeah and she we... basically
3: said for context, she was like, "Oh, when I gave birth, like my vagina was wrecked, and they gave me a, a condom full of frozen water, and, and it told was them to really shove it up me. <laughs> and painful, yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to create something soothing, but instead of like marketing it as a post-birth." Thing I just marketed it as a for any woman thing. Legit, and then I was like, oh yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, and- I want that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and it, it was definitely a conversation of intent versus impact. I mean, she's not absolved of the impact of that kind of product and the me- and the messaging behind it. But also, we have to acknowledge that in in the context of what actually happened, it was extremely harmless. And I thought that would be enough for people. And again, like. I'm just like, I'm over it. (laughs) Like I feel as though a lot of that conversation for me or that whole experience was indicative of the fact that people just love uh, victims and oppressors and they love, it's all a power play. Because in this instance, it would have taken more people less time to tweet her, email her, uh, DM the Instagram and say, hey, what's this for? But no, we ran to this Facebook group, we ran to these comment sections, we degraded her, we belittled her
3: what for it's so tiring i'm just like what's the um the end game because if you're outcomes based surely you just want this woman to understand that she accidentally facilitated vaginal shame and maybe she just hasn't read the room in terms of like Mm -hmm. millennial and gen z conversations and it was clear from that conversation that she hadn't she was
4: like i had no idea (laughs)
3: like yeah and then she's like great i'll change my marketing then surely everyone's happy but it's like people don't actually want Heard of learn and no. change because it's people like-
4: want punitive justice they don't want rehabilitation none of that like it's all a fucking sham and I was like what is going on everyone like is this what but in my head I'm like what are we doing aren't we learning these skills of nuance and critical thinking and understanding there aren't moral binaries for situations like this Like, are we learning all these skills to talk to our friends and, you know, share the same thoughts and, you know, uh, like villainize anyone who doesn't think like we do? I thought we were learning these skills so when these situations happen, we can address these people and say, hey, bitch, like something's
2: not sitting right
4: (laughs) and then go from there. But I guess not.
2: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of vaginas... Um, You call yourself the fairy nut mother because Mm -hmm. your advice has helped a lot of your female followers discover good masturbation. Why do you think it is that so many people don't know how to get themselves off?
4: Mm, I would say it's for all of my followers, actually, not just the vagina havers, but I just, I don't know. I think it's, it's a combination of a couple of things. I reckon like all when you're like younger, right, you're a teenager, there are certain metrics you use to discern whether or not someone's an adult. So like, do they have sex? Are they in a relationship? Do they have a good job? Like, can they go out often? Real banal shit like that. And when you're in that very adolescent stage, you also have a lot of hubris and confidence. It makes you feel like you know more than you do. And we don't necessarily shake that off until we know more than we do. So I feel like we just carry all this confidence, like, you know, we're sexually liberated because we root now and all we want to do is talk about how we're able to pull, we're able to fuck, we're able to get off. And then once you go one, like one like notch down and you ask people, well, you know, what do you expect from sex? Like, how do you build intimacy? Like, are you relying on someone to make you come? Do you make people come? It's like, oh, whoa, that's like that's too, too too taboo, and so the conversation of facilitating one's own nut didn't really start from like, hey, everyone, I want you all to be sexually liberated, but I was just getting bored of people blaming their partners on their lack of, you know, sexual enjoyment, like, oh, that that guy was a shit root, he didn't make me come. I was like, make yourself come. I don't understand <laughs> what the issue is. Oh, you don't know how. Well, let's talk about it. Suddenly it's a different conversation we're having. It was all about just shifting, um, just shifting the conversation so it's productive. And, like, a lot of popular things on the internet get unproductive really quickly, like all men are trash. We can, it's just, like, funny until it's, like, But it's untrue. So so where do we go from there? Like, that's not productive. Let's have a productive conversation. Like, all men who date women should be more concerned about whether or not they come. That's a good conversation. Let's do that one. But I don't know, man. The internet tires me out. I'm just like, I used to, I feel like back in the days, like, early stage internet I used to be just so vivacious and bright and outgoing and alive and now I'm just the empty fucking shell
3: <laughs> I know it's worn me down it's worn like just me wanna, down I just get off I just can't like yeah. but I think it's more people than the internet though
4: because um like the internet as just like an you know an objective tool Fine, but it's the people and the interactions I see that really just like, whoa. I'm like, wow, we're still doing it's, this? I think
3: it's given everyone the idea that, like, every thought that comes into their head is, like, valid or worth sharing. Like, we're talking mm. about the Chrissy Teigen thing. And we're, like, some people being like, you shouldn't have posted this picture. And it's like, okay, you can just think that and, like, text your mom and tell her. Yes! Like, why do you need to Tell the group chat! <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally. Tell anyone. Like, go and yell it on the street. Like, why do you need to respond to her directly? It's like this weird thing where everyone has been made to feel that like any thought or feeling they have is like worthy of being published. It's bizarre.
4: It's all a power play, I reckon. I just see the way people, because what else is the intention? Like what else are you getting at? Like in that moment, imagine you were someone who decided that I'm watching this woman who's just had a stillborn fucking baby. And I think it's a bit much to share. So let me bring her down a peg so she knows. What are you talking about? Like, are you deranged? (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) When you put it in the context of everybody wants to feel a little bit powerful and the quickest way to do that is to assert your dominance over someone else, then a lot of the internet behavior is kind of contextualized. Like, yeah, I see what you were doing. You want to feel powerful for a sec. I get it.
3: Um, so we wanted to talk to you a little bit about dating and relationships because we did a huge episode when Izzy went through a breakup and it's like by far our biggest episode ever because Mm -hmm. there's a big appetite for the dating info. Bitches Um, love listening to me cry.
2: Aww. (laughs) (laughs) All <laughs> <Or angel>.
3: that <laughs> um so you said that prior to the relationship you're in now you went on a hookup sabbatical which mm. I think is probably an attractive prospect to a lot of women well I mean I guess we've had a forced hookup sabbatical recently but can you <laughs> talk about that idea
4: yeah I mean again it, it went back to dating in theory versus dating in practice and I feel like a lot of us let me just talk and let me talk from the perspective of just like cis hetero women a lot of us um you know there's a dissonance between like the power we think we have and then the power that we display when we're in situations, right? so like when you're with your girlies, you're like, "Fuck this guy, I'm just gonna go in, I'm gonna fuck, i'm gonna leave, I'm gonna tell him what I want, I'm gonna tell him what I like, and then in reality, he hasn't responded to your text messages in three days, and the moment he does you're on it, and you're just like gagging for that recognition, <laughs> which is totally fine. We all do it, I get it, I love it, but I had to kind of like. Do you know what's that fucking quote? Like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different results. That was dating to me, you know, going into every interaction with the same, the same energy, the same kind of like, I don't know. It was like the same energy, the same intention, and not getting the same results, and be like, what is happening here? Um, and a big turning point was um, this discussion that Bobo and I had about hookup culture because it's been so. Uh, wrapped up in the conversation about feminism like those two are intertwined to be a good feminist is to be sexually liberated is to you know reclaim your sexual power is to you know not feel as though any kind of sexual experience you have should be tied to romance or anything Um, which can be inherently damaging because sex is not integral to feminism and vice versa and so when we had this conversation debunking what hookup called Sorry, when we had this conversation debunking what hookup culture had done for women, suddenly I was like, whoa, I am honestly allotting far too much time to really dead-end interactions. Like, I spend more time facilitating dumb fucking conversations with men I don't really like in hopes that they'll like me more so I can have the power or the upper hand. And then suddenly six weeks go by and I've met all their friends and they say they want to hang out. Like, it's just ridiculous. And it wasn't until I got to a point where I was like, fuck, I can just, I was having my own like internal crisis of like, what is this dating thing? It's not, it's not yielding any fruit, but I would spend more time dating than like doing a hobby or seeing my friends. Like, what the fuck is this? And so it was that coupled with the fact that suddenly everybody was asking Bobo and after dating advice. And I was like, bitch, I don't have any. It was like, it is, I don't have anything here. I, everything, it's not working. And so taking that, like, however many months, four, five, six month abstinence, celibacy vibe was so affirming. Because you realize how much weight you put on dating and you realize how much of it is rooted just in insecurity and shame of being the one who's not picked, the one who's not loved, the one who wasn't worthy enough. That stuff is so toxic and so dangerous. And so taking a step back intentionally, not being single by circumstance, single by choice, very validating. But only if you really want it for yourself. Don't do one of those. Like, you can't be like, I'm not going to hook up. Because nobody wants to hook up with you. You only do it. Like, you actively turn down people. You actively don't go on dates. And you don't remove yourself from your the life you were having. Like, you still go out to clubs. You still engage with people. But you just stop every time. And suddenly it was like, whoa, I'm seeing shit with different eyes. Like, <laughs> it's making sense. It was just another lesson in accountability for me. Like, and, and another lesson in making sure that my critical thinking uh, practice... Sorry, my critical thinking theory was lining up in practice because often it doesn't, you know, like and that was a huge dissonance that I would have let go if it wasn't affecting my life. You know, like, you know how like a couple bad days can really just put a damper on your whole life, like not just Mm. your dating life, like your actual life, your mental health, your self-worth your sense of like your self-esteem that's not worth it to me (laughs) so suddenly I just had to put myself first in a very very honest and practical way and it was so worthwhile I I recommend it I mean COVID doesn't count because like you know if you can't go out you can't go out (laughs) but turn down people it'll change your life
2: it's crazy as well like how um how like you people focus on dating i think just for yeah like the dopamine hit and for the the validation um and then it like means that you're focusing on dating instead of focusing on the actual issues which is like that you're feeling a bit lonely at the moment or yes. that you um don't want to deal with the things you need to like i'm so guilty of that after when i landed back in london which was literally only a couple of weeks ago All of my friends here are in relationships and I went for a walk Mm. in the park with one of my my friends and I literally got home that night and downloaded Hinge because I was like, oh my God, I just feel lonely here. And then I was like, wait, stop, because then you feel, I was talking to my therapist about it and I was like, then you just feel so much fucking worse when you start talking to someone and then they don't reply and it's like, wow, that's like even even worse than I was feeling before.
0: Mm
4: Mm-hmm. It's just this proactive separation from all that shit. And I think that like, I know for a fact that most of life is a performance. I get it. I love it. But I think that gets to a point where like everything is on a bell curve for me, where it's like, it starts as being beneficial, 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 and it reaches a, it reaches a maximum point where it starts to go down the other end and it's no longer beneficial or enjoyable anymore. And that was dating for me it does feel really good at a certain point to be up and about and like hanging out, dancing, meeting, rooting. And then it it's critical boiling point and it's all downhill from there. And if you don't jump off that fucking ship, it'll drown you.
2: Yeah. It's a really, yeah, it's a shit feeling. I was like, Oh my God. I now <laughs> feel like I was like, I'm letting, I was like, I'm literally letting like this person not replying to me affect my whole week and i was like that's mm-hmm. fucked up i was like Are we not past that i thought that was like a teenage thing and then i was like no it's a thing because you're placing so much um like whatever it is of your kind of emotions onto this because you're not dealing with um, like why you're feeling that way in the first place that when this random person you don't even like doesn't reply to you it makes you feel horrible
3: and the person is like interchangeable. That's yeah. what you can start to see. Like, it actually it literally could, you could not care less who the actual person is who's like not replying or not. Exactly. Meeting for a drink. It like could be literally anyone. It's mm. just because it's someone that's rejecting you. It's the principle it of horrible. it. Mm hmm. I know, it's cr- yeah, it's so silly. Um, we wanted to talk to you about a podcast you did recently, which was, like, quite life-changing for me, and it was called 50% of All Conflict is Your Fault. Oh, fuck yeah! And I'm wondering if you could please explain that concept. Because I feel like it's yes. very, um, what's the word, confronting to read. Yeah. Because I feel yeah. like no one thinks that any conflict is their fault.
4: Yeah, it's pretty hectic. I feel as though by nature, people have a way of giving themselves the benefit of the doubt and presuming that you're walking through your life with complete intention, positivity, honesty, and anything you do should result in good. And if it doesn't, then it was somebody else's fault. So, like, I'm fine. My friends are just dramatic or, like, my boss is a bitch or, like, my parents don't get me, but I'm neutral. I wouldn't do anything negative. And so I came across this TikTok of this guy kind of explaining that the best way to I want to make not make this spiritual because I feel like spirituality turns people off but like the best way to feel like a self-actualized person and the best way to feel as though your relationships are flourishing and things are moving in the right direction is to take responsibility of all the bad things that happened to you not in a victim blamey way remove that thought from your mind in a really practical way and he said think about how much your life would change if you started to recognize that 50% of all conflict is your fault. And not that you encouraged it, not that you were, you know, the light to the flame, but that there is a level of, you know, um, Maybe you were an antagonist or maybe you didn't have enough empathy for somebody or maybe you weren't the most open at that time or the most vulnerable or maybe you just weren't reading on the same page or whatever it might be. But suddenly, if you hold yourself a little bit more accountable, it makes it far easier to find solutions on how to fix things because suddenly you're not the victim or the passive person um, that life happens to. You start to take active control. And it's so fucked because I have this... um, uh, Like... I think people and are like inherently bad, and that 's not a bad thing. I just feel like you know i um, like I can have my back up about a lot of things, and I feel as though it's very easy to place myself to a state of victimhood. Like, you know, that random girl DM me, she was coming for me funny. Ugh, that girl, you know, hit me up and asked me how much I make, isn't that so rude? Or whatever it might be that sets me off. And then it's like, well, take a step back, bitch. Like, why don't you recognize how this could have happened? How did you... Facilitate an environment where people can ask you questions that you find to be rude. Oh, yes. You said all questions are welcome. You know, how did you facilitate (laughs) an environment where people can challenge you on what you charge for a job? You're too available. Start saying no to shit. So... (laughs) It's just, I mean, isn't everything less than the accountability of that? TikTok. It was 60 seconds, but it changed my life.
3: <laughs> yeah. I felt the same way. And then me and Izzy had a fight like last week and we never fight. And I was like, I'm just going to sit and look at all of the ways that this is like my fault. Instead mm. of being, like, like, It feels kind of good, mentality. doesn't it? It feels amazing. Like something about it feels, it feels. Giving you autonomy.
4: Yeah. It's a release when you're like, fuck some of this has to be my fault, right? Like you couldn't, you couldn't have been, do you know what also is? I think because if, if I was ever in a situation where I felt like somebody had slighted me, I often feel like it's intentional. Like you said that to me in that tone, use those words on purpose to hurt me. And that's rarely the case. People aren't that malicious. And so taking away some of that intensity of situations and being like, I don't know, like maybe they just didn't mean it. You know, maybe I was coming at them funny or maybe I misinterpreted. It just diffuses everything so quickly.
2: Um, and I need to listen to it and then I'll stop thinking everything's all your fault, Grace. Oh, i <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, uh, we're going to
3: ask you some quick fire questions in a minute. But the last thing I want to talk to you about was the first time... I saw you at the L event where you were doing the Mm -hmm. manifestation workshop, and I was like, oh, this isn't going to be for me. Like, it sounds really kind of like woo-woo. And it was just this amazing – I was, like, mesmerized watching you because it was just this, like, very pragmatic, useful – incredible tool set so I wondered if you could quickly explain the idea of manifestation
4: yes so some people often get it twisted or might internalize that as like wishing upon a star or like if I want it and I think about it I should have it right um because I feel as though people always want to concisely explain the concept rather than just explaining um I don't know like the science backed way of looking at it so basically it's the idea that I think every person, I mean, and this is how I interpret it, I think every person has an inner and outer world. And so your outer world is the shared reality we all experience, the one where we know the sky is blue, we know the grass is green, we know water is drinkable in certain places. These are just like shared facts, right? We don't question them. And then I think every person has their own inner world where their biases, their experiences, their perception dictates the way their outer world appears to them. So you might perceive all tall, uh, tall white men as being angels and somebody else might perceive them as being devils, but suddenly that, that, that sort of like influences, how you see everything suddenly, or, you know, you might say that, you might say that pink is an inherently girly color and I might think it's neutral, but that influences everything you see. So it's the idea that once you kind of unpack how you see the world and what influences the way you see the world, you can start to make adjustments for how your reality impacts you. And so in the way that I use it, I break it down into like three steps, right? So if I wanted to manifest something and the idea of manifesting something is a very like, um, It's just a very, it it doesn't, it doesn't manifesting something makes it seem like it's like a one step action thing (laughs) when really it's not, it's like 15 steps and then, uh, hoping that reality works in your favor. So if I want to manifest something, the first thing I have to like suss out is my belief, right? Do I believe that I can actually have it? Do I believe it's possible? Is it in the realm of my reality? and often it's not. So for instance, when people are like, I want to manifest a partner. I'm like, that sounds cool, but I don't think you actually think that you are worthy of the partner you want because you keep dating bums. You keep rooting losers. Like you don't approach people you're attracted to. You don't approach people you think are are aspirational. So fundamentally, you don't believe that you can be in the relationship you want. And that's not my business. (laughs) That is your business. So that's number one. And I think belief is the hardest, hardest, hardest thing to change because it's all ingrained. Like most of us aren't even conscious of when we develop our beliefs, let alone what we need to do to change them and influence them. That's why you must, one, read a book, two, unpack yourself, three, do a personality test, four, go to therapy, five, talk to people, (laughs) like do all those things. And when you get to a point where you truly believe that you can have the things you want, uh, the second step to me is intent. And that's kind of unpacking like what you think the thing you want will benefit you. So like, if you want to be in a relationship, what do you think that's going to do for you? Like on a practical level, is it going to make you happier? Is it going to make you feel more secure? Is it going to make you enjoy life? These things are super important to understand because if you don't know what your intent is, then you don't know what your motivators are and you don't know what your barriers are either. So if your motivators for being in a relationship is company we can get company anywhere, babes. Like, you've got friends for that. So that's not necessarily a motivating factor. If your motivation for being in a relationship is, you know, somebody to root frequently, well, you can do that anywhere. So you're going to have to think a bit deeper about that. Maybe your motivation is not to feel lonely anymore. And having a partner who is... Committed, suddenly we know what you're looking for. So when you go on Hinge and you go on Tinder and you meet somebody who is non-committal and a commitment phobe, you know exactly that that person's not for you, you know? And the third step which I think is the easiest step, but I think is the hardest step is action. I think when people Google manifesting, it's very mental practice. Like I just need to think some shit and then it will happen. But no, you actually have to go and do it. So the belief in the intent just sets you up so that the action is the easy fucking bit. So you believe that you are worthy of a great partner. Your intention is to find someone who, appreciates you know quality time like you do and the action is going out into the world and expressing those things exactly how you want them and it puts you closer to the opportunity than you would have been before this whole practice so that is my long convoluted way of explaining what manifesting is i think a lot of people underestimate the power of just doing stuff you know like oh i really want to work at that magazine have you emailed have you figured because out who hires? We say Have you interned? In we, <laughs> like- get,
3: we would get DMs all the time being like, oh, my God, like, how do you get a job at a magazine, RIP? And now – and we'd be like, okay, who have you emailed? Have you yeah. asked anyone? Have you tried to intern? Like, if you buy the magazine, there's a bit that says, like, want to intern, email here. Yeah. Like, I me and Izzy said we worked in magazines for, like, seven years and we could name the amount of people that cold email us asking for work experience on one hand. Yeah. Like, but every everyone wants everyone to Everyone wants it, hosting. you know? Yes.
4: And that's the it's belief cozy. thing and the intent thing and the action thing, you know? Oh, you know, or, you know, I really want – I really want to be in a power couple. I want a really, you know, uh, aspirational partner. It's like, okay, like, have you ever sent a message first on a dating app, like ever? Have you ever, like, walked up to someone and expressed interest? Are you just a passive person? Yeah, perhaps maybe you're not going to get what you want. So it's this idea of, like, once you train your mind to, to acknowledge that things are in your realm of possibility and that they could happen, you're less insecure about actually going to try them try some shit people <laughs> and dming someone for a tip isn't trying
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> it's outsourcing um, we're gonna let you go in just one second but we wanted to finish with a quick fire round of reflex questions fun okay when dating is having a type ethical
4: uh no but we do it anyway everyone has a type who thinks mm. they're out here being an ethical bitch that's not my game <laughs> I'm the most immoral unethical person I know I stand by it (laughs)
2: um what is the one thing you wish people would talk about more
4: uh their lack of consistency
2: do you believe aliens exist yeah would you rather live without orgasms or romance
4: uh orgasms
2: and if you had the option to become immortal would you
4: yes 100 (laughs) percent like Edward Cullen Literally, where am I trying to go? I've already lived (laughs) too much of my life. It's a quarter over, maybe even a third (laughs) over. How sad!